I invite you to remain standing for the reading of today's gospel lesson. It comes from the fifth chapter of Matthew. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, listen for the word of the Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up a mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak. And he taught them by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to share with you two to three lists today of some discoveries I've made over the past few weeks. Uh, the first list is things that preachers rarely, if ever, hear from church members. The first says, personally, I find witnessing much more enjoyable than golf. You'll never hear that. The second says, hey, it's my turn to sit on the front pew. <laughs> Clearly that's working, right? Things preachers rarely, if ever, hear are things like, I volunteer to be the permanent teacher for the junior high boys' Sunday school class, right? There's one. <laughs> or I love it when we sing hymns that I don't know. Or since we're all here, let's start worship early. Or here's one, Pastor, we'd like to send you to this Bible seminar in the Bahamas. No preacher's ever heard that before, right? Yeah. The last one says, I was so enthralled, I never even noticed that your sermon went over the 25-minute mark, right? <laughs> we always hear that one. I, I want to be a little more personal about a topic that churches could actually discuss more, and that is why membership matters. Why membership here matters. A few weeks ago, we had in this very space our leadership summit where all 400 leaders, volunteers who have said yes to some leadership capacity over the next year gathered here for a leadership summit and we began by asking three questions. Why do people need Jesus? Why do people need the church? And why do people need this church? It's a starting point, a conversation starter for us to think about how and, and why really we do ministry. We know our why, but it helps us think about how we do ministry. I want to ask you a similar question. If you were to come into our confirmation class and you were asked to tell them why membership matters and why membership here matters, what would you say? If you say, I don't know, or membership is really only secondary as long as you have Jesus in your heart, then I want to share with you um, a second list that I ran across. It answers the age-old question, can I be a Christian without joining a church? To which this author says, yes, but only in the same way as a student who will not go to school, a soldier who won't 
join an army, a citizen who does not pay taxes or vote, a salesman with no customers, an explorer with no base camp, a ship captain without a crew, a business person on a deserted island, an author without readers, a tuba player without an orchestra. Can a person be a Christian without joining a church? Only in the sense that a parent can be without a family or a football player without a team or a scientist who is unwilling to share her findings. What do you think? Why does membership matter? And why does membership matter here? For those of you listening in the sanctuary or from afar, from anywhere around the world, we've we found our way to membership in the local church and membership into this local church for a specific reason or maybe a set of reasons. And it's interesting because only a few months ago, one of the nation's top uh, church research groups came out and said that for the first time ever, across the board in America, faith groups had dropped below the 50% mark in membership. Not just Christians, but all faith groups. In other words, less than half of the citizens of the United States identify as a member of a faith group. Now, isn't that something? What are we to do with the rise of religious, you know, rejection of religious institutionalism or secularism or, and, a, and a decline in church membership? Well, we're to ask questions. Why does membership matter? And why does membership matter here? So why join a church in a day and age? Why did you join the church? Was it out of obligation? I mean, that's, that's what we do in the South. We join stuff, right? Was it because of the music or because the preacher came to see you or was it because of age level programming? You know, we have connection points for all ages. Did you join because of our liturgical worship style or have you connected with the church because we are a liturgically functioning church? That's who we are, that's our identity. Maybe you've connected because of proximity to the church or because of your family's always been in this denomination or because I, I, I hope that many of you joined because someone personally invited you. One thing I hear a lot of times is I grew up this way and my spouse grew up this way and the Methodist church seemed like the medium for, for all of us, a good landing place. I hear that all the time. Or maybe you joined because perhaps you know that we Methodists Anytime we meet, there, there's, ten, there's likely to be snacks, potluck, or some kind of buffet of food. I mean, this is what we do, right? That should be in the vows. So I've just been thinking a lot about the fact that with 35,000 or so denominations in the world today, this kind of Baskin-Robbins flavorful, you know, connection points. I mean, there's something for every person who wants to be a Christian and, and to connect. Why are less and less people joining churches? Maybe it's because there's not a clear-cut pathway. You think that's it? That's what the pathways are all about. We want to provide a very clear pathway to membership and to growth and to service and to giving. Clear-cut ways for people to connect with God and to relate with other people, with one another. Maybe that's the reason. A lot of times people tell me they, they're not ready to join. They're, they're on the perimeter of joining because they've been hurt by the church. 
And there's some lament work to be done there. There's some reconciliation work to be done. People stay on the edges because the church has hurt them in some kind of way. I don't know. Maybe it's just the whole rejection of institutional religion. I've also been thinking a lot about the fact that the church can do better, should do better. I mean the church in general. We are on the front lines of so many battles, yet we're not perfect because you know why? We're comprised of people. And I think that's a very beautiful thing. I think it's the very reason we remain the most unique organism and organization on this entire planet, the church. A few years back, Dr. Uh, Davidson led one of the most memorable stewardship initiatives that I can recall in, in any church of which I've been a part. And it was risky, not because there were great videos and mail-outs and brochures and posters, but because the theme was just so striking to me. The theme was discipleship, not membership. You remember that theme several years ago? And I love that theme. I've reflected on it a lot because the idea was for all of us to remain focused on the primary goal for why we're all here. You know, you've heard it, you know, the main thing is keep the main thing the main thing, right? It's not membership. It's not the main thing. Discipleship is the main thing. Membership is part of the mission and we, we are asking folks, inviting folks to take that step along the pathway. However, membership for the sake of membership is not the goal. Leading people to Jesus Christ and to the waters of baptism and equipping one another for service in the world, that's the goal because that's discipleship. Membership gets us through that gateway, gets us along that pathway. So why, why Jay, two weeks in worship right now about membership? Because, well, here's a secret. Membership is not really mentioned in the Bible, at least not in the Western kind of way that, that we think about it, box checking, head counting, get them on the rolls, you know. Actually, membership from a biblical perspective has to do with being a part of the body. Some of you are eyes, some of you are ears, some of you are voices, some of you are hands, some of you are, are feet, some of you, you know, we're all members. Paul talks about it in Romans, he talks about it in, in Corinthians. We're all members of the same body. We read it just a couple of weeks ago here. And I'll remind you that Paul says when one member suffers, how does he go on? We all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. There's a dependency, there's a covenant, because membership is, is about covenant, right? The vows that, that Lucas and the children just conveyed to us, and, I, and it, it dawned on me, I've wondered if some of our, uh, our younger disciples, if they hear prayers and presents and gifts, you've got presents and gifts, that's a real incentive to join. I wonder how they've heard that. So I appreciate you clarifying this. It's about being here, it's not about getting presents, right? Although, although. The covenantal vows of membership, they bind us together through and toward our discipleship. Think about it this way. First dates between a couple are a lot different than a third and fourth date. Would you agree with that? Or a fifth and sixth date. A first date is a lot different than an engagement. And a first date is a lot different from an engagement, which is a whole lot different from marriage. Would you agree with that, that marriage is a lot different from the very first date? Yes. A first visit 
differs from a third or a fourth visit or from Java or from, or from a church tour that's along the pathway or from taking that step and reciting these vows and hearing those vows recited back to one another. It's a different set of commitment level. Expectations are higher. Boundaries are set. What, what belongs to me as a member of the family of God now belongs to you. And what you have belongs to one another. We share space. We share life. We share time. It's a way of saying I'm all in. What it means to be a member is an acknowledgement that says, without me, the relationship is lacking. And without them, I am lacking. We complete one another. We inspire one another. We motivate one another. We serve one another. We benefit from one another. That's the pathway of membership into the family of God through the local church. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, in, in preparing for this, this two part, the, the, these first two parts of this series, I reached out to some of our key leaders, those serving in administrative roles and, and program and, and discipleship worship roles, and I asked them two questions. Why does membership matter? And why does membership matter to you? I want you to begin thinking about those questions as well. You can write those down in your, in your workbook. You can write them down and transfer them later, but feed them to me this week. I want to process that as we head into the second part of this. And our key leaders said four or five common things. One is membership uh, provides connection and gives me a place to serve, right? Service. That's one of, the, one of the vows. The second thing is joining a local church is a visible affirmation of a person's commitment to Jesus Christ and to the people. I want you to hear that again. That's so important. Membership in a local church is a public affirmation that we serve Christ as our Lord and we're in this together with others who claim the same thing. Thirdly, when someone joins a church, they're making a promise to contribute to something greater than oneself. Fourthly, membership, uh, one of our leaders says, is my support structure. I love this. Alone, I am weak and I am vulnerable, but at church, I'm strengthened by the support of my larger family. And finally, uh, church life is how I recharge my batteries each week by being around the members. I, I hope you feel that way. My batteries are recharged really twice a week. One, when I'm in worship with you, and two, on Wednesday nights when we're running around eating chicken fingers and french fries and, and having a lot of fun over in Wesley Hall doing the things that we do. It recharges the soul. For when we pour ourselves out, we need those moments to fill ourselves back up. Membership matters. Because by taking that step forward into the family of God through a local church, we're saying that life is not about us, that we want to become accountable, part of something bigger. And if you would answer affirmatively that the things that matter to Jesus should matter to us, then we ask a question, well, then what does that mean about membership? Jesus talked about discipleship. Paul talked about membership. What does that mean, preacher? Well, Jesus loves the church. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And if Jesus loves the church, we're called to love the church, the universal church and the local church. The book of Acts and Paul's writings tell us that Jesus purchased the church with his own blood, that the church is the fullness of Jesus, that he called the church to be his bride, that he sanctifies the church, that he's building the church here on earth and the gates of Hades will not be able to prevail against it, that the church is his body, that he is the head, that it is his family. So Jesus doesn't have this idea of church abstractly. 
And Jesus is not in a long-distance relationship with the church. If you think about your relationships, how complicated those are. Jesus loves the church so much that he says, I want you to become my body, my bride, my prized joy, the hope for the world for which there is no plan B. You and I are it. We are Jesus' plan of salvation in this world. So the first step along the pathway is, is toward the waters of baptism where we are reminding ourselves of God's grace that's already at work in our lives, that it's, it becomes this gateway, this initiation, this incorporation into the family of God. One cannot become a member of a local church until one is a member through baptism of the universal church. Did you know that? But once we enter into a covenantal relationship with people who sit on either side of the aisle, who sit behind us, who sit in front of us, who go to different classes, who come from all walks of life around the city, who travel from different denominations, who sit here, we sit around the supper tables with. Once we make that step, we're making a public declaration about Jesus Christ, our faith in Jesus Christ. We're making a public countercultural statement that the world's memberships and church membership are different. They both have their rewards. <laughs> One is of eternal value, however. Your membership allows you to join the mission of Christ already at work. God is already dancing in so many places around the community. Being a part of the, the family of God allows us to join that dance. Our membership signals that the church is not a service provider, like going to the food court at the mall. Now, I said this in the early service, and people looked at me like, I don't know if food courts in malls are a thing anymore. So if you're under, if somebody around you is under 40, you're going to have to tell them what I mean. But you, used, you could go and pick out your favorite place at the mall, right? That's not the church. This is a family. Families figure things out. We stay in it. We're not perfect. There's no perfect church. We're just people. There's a perfect grace and a perfect Savior and a perfect head of the church guiding us each and every day. But here's the thing that I want to say about today's text is Jesus, we talk about promises, promises that we make, promises that we keep, promises that we break. The Sermon on the Mount really is, is a promise that Jesus is making. He's making it to his core disciples who will tell it to others, who will tell it to others, who will tell it to others. I don't know if you caught that in the first part of chapter 5. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. It begins, you know, a couple of chapters of Jesus teaching and, and orating the ways of God to people. And he leaves the greater uh, flock, the greater crowd, and he comes up and just spend time with his own, right? Just talking, Jesus talking. And he's making a promise when he says, blessed are you who mourn and who hunger, and who thirst. Blessed are you who seek to try to make peace. What he's doing is he's giving the church this new identity. By say, in, in some ways, by saying that which is blessed, he's saying these other groups, they're not blessed. They think they are, but they're not blessed. And so whereas the world says that the poor in spirit are weak and only the strong survive, membership of, within the flock it's where the poor begin lifting their eyes beyond the shadows of the valleys to see God's work in the world. And whereas the, the world tells us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps when life crumbles around us and we're on the floor in pieces, grieving, uh, membership as part of God's family is where those who mourn find comfort. 
from those who have walked the pathway before them. It's where no one walks alone. It's where no one sits alone. It's where no one suffers alone. It's where no one dies alone. That's what the local church is. Whereas the world says, take no prisoners and climb over whomever stands in your way of success. Membership is where the meek, those are who impose upon, receive this inheritance. And Jesus says they inherit the whole earth, not just a portion of it. Those who are humble inherit the whole earth. And whereas the world couldn't care less when someone has a famished or parched soul, and whereas the world rarely even sees us when we're malnourished for meaning and purpose and relationship and belonging, membership is where anyone who hungers and thirsts for the ways of God find that nourishment along life's journey. Membership is where we hunger and thirst together because we know this world is not like it's supposed to be, not yet. And in those moments of longing together, we find our sense of being longing together. So why are these statements true? Well, because we get in Jesus, we get a new identity, a place to belong. We get discipleship. That's the first step through the waters of baptism. And then the second step along the pathway of, of faith, this journey to abundant life, as we said last week, is through connecting with a local flock. And when we do when we do take those steps together, we discover blessings that we might have missed otherwise. Blessings from God come through the people of God. I want you to hear that. So if you want to know what it means to be blessed in this world, you've got to be around the, the people that God blesses, those who mourn, and those who are famished and starving for answers. For those who are being persecuted and overlooked and undervalued, those are the ones whom God says, you are blessed. So I want to ask you a question as we think about concluding this sermon and heading into next week. How has your membership been a blessing to you? And how are you using your membership to bless others? Because in this past year, my friends, amid all that's gone on, one of the most challenging years any local church will ever face, our church has experienced quite the anomaly we've experienced tremendous growth. <laughs> Through the emptiness of a sanctuary for eight months and registrations and social distancing for seven more months and through summertime travels and distancing even more and Delta variants and ongoing renovations, we've grown to the glory of God alone, no doubt. So exactly why is it amid all these challenges that that a household, that a person, that a family has decided to take the next step forward on the pathway right here at First United Methodist Church. Why is it that that's happened for 192 years this past Wednesday? Because we continue to be a place, a hospital where Christ heals us, a factory where young adults are called and sent and trained for ministry. We continue to be a place that has the capacity to make a difference in every corner of this world. And we know that every step we take, we do it, and we're going to do it with excellence. We also know that we're far from perfect, but we always keep our eyes on the prize, that is Jesus. So why does membership matter to you? I'd love to hear from you this week. And I want to leave you with uh, an article that somebody sent me, one of, one of you sent me a few weeks ago as I was thinking through this. And the heading, the title of that article is called Church Involvement is Not an Option. And it has several things to say, but 
One of the, the main sections of this article I love, it says, the church doesn't save you, but you can't grow in Christ without the church. So when Paul says we are individually members of one another, he meant that you belong to Christ and I belong to Christ, and that means we belong to each other, that I am responsible for you, that you are responsible for me, that you need my spiritual gift, that I need your spiritual gift, that you need my encouragement, that I need your encouragement, that we are not to neglect to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more. That's what it says in Hebrews. Have you ever thought about your membership as a dependency upon the person seated around you? How that if they're not here, there's something lacking. If you're not here, there's something lacking in their lives. It was never God's intention to have connection with God and, and with one another outside the body of Christ. Never was meant to work that way. So friends, today we get to take a step forward to get in church, to be the church, to join the church, to get going, growing, moving, and, and doing because there's so many here, there's so many there who need a place and space to mourn with another human being. There's so many people hungering and thirsting for answers right here and in your spheres of influence and they need the church to be there, someone to hear him, someone to see her, someone to speak peace, to be a peacemaker amid so much chaos in the world right now. And we all need a place to belong because so many of our networks of relationships, they just, they're not gonna last, but the church is. Today's an opportunity to renew that covenant as members, to be loyal with our prayers and our presence and our gifts and our service and our witness. Thanks be to God to you for being the church. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we ask once again that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on we, the members of your church, right here at First United Methodist Church, for 192 years, we've been seeking to follow where you lead and connect people to you and to connect with one another. Help us to see that we need one another, that we rely on one another, that that's how you set it up from the get-go. So help us to step into that, along that pathway, toward abundant life in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.